0: What's the future 2050 is proudly supported by X Energy Solar Solutions for Tasmanian conditions, AB Finance ethical mortgages and Unilux triple glazed windows.
1: You're listening to WTF 2050.
2: What's the future? Future. 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 30 years goes like that. I wonder We've actually shown we can do these sorts of things. Without risk, there is nothing. Hello, this is Leanne Minchel And Anna Bateman. This episode, we're talking about the future of food. I love food. Hopefully, I'll be in the future. So, what a great combination. We're meeting Louise Morris from
0: Rebel Food Tasmania, who is an insect farmer based in Derby, We first meet Lou by the fire Mm. and we have a chat with her about her business and how she got into it.
2: And then we actually go up to Derby and we go into the shipping containers. Well, you go into the shipping containers, Anna. I didn't. I started to walk in and then it just freaked me out because I don't know about you, dear listener, but I don't want to be surrounded by cockroaches. After we'd exited the shipping containers,
0: we had a walk through the very pretty little town of Derby in Tasmania's northeast, which has been revitalised, rescued, I guess you could also say, by mountain bike tracks.
2: We're at the Fern Tree Tavern right in front of a blazing fire. Um, It's very cosy. We've got Edith here with us this morning, the dog with the massive underbite. So there could be a few barks. Oh... She looked sad when I said (laughs) underbite.
1: She's also got a massive personality. She's got a
2: massive personality. What are you doing in Hobart, Louise?
1: Actually dropping off insects to chefs in the lead up to Dark MoFos. So Pachamama Burritos are going to be serving up our insects as part of the Dark Mo Winter Feast, which is hella exciting. Can I ask what they're having? Are they having the umami cockies? They're actually using the crickets, so it'll be the lime-salted crickets on Tostitas. If you go to Mexico, Latin America, it's something you'd expect to find on the menu there. Accessible, understandable and damn tasty. The trials have been absolutely lovely. I've also been dropping off crickets to a few well-known fermenting type people who may have the word rice in their name. So there's a lot of garum trials going on from, you know, Meromisu to Adam James. And then got some more meetings with some other chefs who want to put insects on their menu and do some trials um, once we finish with Dark Mofo because, quite frankly, the order's are coming in thick and fast and the scale up is the next big thing to do after dark mode which is exciting have you been surprised by the response yeah really surprised at the easy uptake as part of the business plan we really thought that this year would be about getting people open to the idea of insects and probably having to think about ways of hiding insects in dishes but the chefs who've expressed interest you know whether it's from Kobe at Dear And others are really wanting to do them as feature pieces, appetizers, so that people understand the flavor, the texture. And I think people are also interested because the way we're growing and where we're very open about what they're eating It's farm and food, leftovers. So, frankly, they're eating better than many people do. So, you know, they're eating fruit and veg. They're eating grain mash from Little Rivers Brewery. So these guys are eating well. drunk cockroaches. (laughs) Well, no, the the alcohol comes out for the beer and then you're just left with the the protein and the fibre. Damn it. Yeah. So we've been chatting with a few beer makers of is this something that you can play with for certain festivals? Yeah. And it's that beauty of Tasmania now where... People five are years up
2: for a challenge, aren't yeah. They?
1: Five years ago, yeah. if I'd done this, it would have just been silly because our food culture wouldn't have shifted to the point it has now. But now people are getting contacted by new distillers because everyone's now a distiller or a beer maker, just saying, "Oh, so you know, what if I did blah blah blah?" Because worms and tequila—it's like yeah, it works exactly the same for wow. other types of insects.
0: You're down in Hobart.
1: and You're going back up to Derby. Do you get anxious when you're away um, from your bugs? Let's find another word than anxious because it just makes me sound like a crazy bug farmer, doesn't it? More it's always in the back of my head, especially at the moment. We've got weather fronts coming through and winter's coming in for real. Of winter's coming. Winter is coming. It's, it's coming of just that constant, is the temperature stable? How's the humidity? And thankfully my partner in crime and life, <laughs> um, who's a biologist. He keeps things trucking along while I'm delivering insects and actually doing the rest of the business model. He keeps an eye on it, but it is that constant of, is the temperature holding, is the system looping through well? Because managed to get it to a point in the modular system when the sun's shining, need no electricity at all to keep it warm because it's just using the sun's rays to heat the container, which then kind of feeds through. But obviously days like this... The electricity kicks in, and then the induction heater is heating it, and then I just get a little bit. Can you just make sure it's sitting between the right temperature gradient? Um, Can you just check the humidity? Oh, you're at work. Can you just leave work and go and check the humidity? (laughs) (laughs) Which obviously the answer is probably not immediately. Okay, good.
0: When you talked about the fact they're being fed premium food. Can we just talk a little bit more about that? Because that really surprised me because I was thinking, oh, it doesn't matter what a bug eats, right? And then you think, well, actually, it matters what cows eat and what sheep mm, eat. So, yeah.
1: And that really comes back to the basis of why i set off on this madcap adventure is moons ago, I was working for Christine Milne as an advisor and we were doing this paper about the future of Tasmania as a food hub and actually realising we'll never be a bulk producer. It really is about finding quality niche products and doing it well. And then we found all these waste streams. Oh, my God. So what year was that? Uh, 2012 to 2015. Right, yeah. And it was later in the piece we did this piece of work and that's where it's like, wow, we're ploughing in huge amounts of, you know, whether it's carrots, vegetables, brassicas, grain waste from beer makers, which are becoming more prevalent in the northeast. So that's where the idea of farming insects off that came from. But then, as you say, didn't want to basically have another quote-unquote sustainable farming adventure, which is basically industrial farming. So what they eat really matters, both in terms of the flavour profile. So if they eat well fresh food, it really transfers into the flavour and also their health. But also it's not a new sustainable source of protein if you're basically just feeding them industrial chicken feed from global food sourcing.
2: How can you tell if your cockroach is healthy?
1: Uh, It's scuttling and eating like nobody's business. And that's the joy of them, of their, you know, it's that whole mythology of after the nuclear war,
2: it's them and them left. (laughs) So. WTF 2050 is sponsored by AB Finance, an ethical mortgage broker and a one-stop solution to navigating the housing mortgage market. AB Finance are fiercely independent and can also help with refinancing. Find out more at abfinance.com.au. You did a huge
0: amount of research before you went into this business. Could you talk a little bit about food security and how you feel like insects intersect into that?
1: So in terms of choosing insects as an intervention point, I come from a campaigns background of climate forests. So it's the food systems that really fascinated me about insect farming rather than insects as such. And looking at the fact that agriculture is one of the largest emissions globally in all our greenhouse issues. And then up in the part of the world, I'm currently living massive amounts of bulk commodity agriculture, which just isn't really making the money to make it viable for people. A lot of waste streams on that. And it was a bit of that think global, act local, all those horrible cliches of what is something that I can do with the resources I have available, small amount of land, interesting vertical farming systems, a lot of waste streams. And living in Tasmania, we've got this brand Tasmania where people are really looking for a quality product that they can trust the I want to say paddock to plate, but I don't have paddocks, do I? The um, crate to plate. The crate to plate. Thank you. There you go. I'm going to (laughs) hashtag that one. They can trust the crate to plate. (laughs) I'm not sure I like crate anymore. The crate to plate story of it where they know where they're grown, what they're being fed. They also understand the businesses that are part of the food system we're working in. So that my local brewer, who's a craft brewery, Little Rivers, using their grain. Synapius Vineyard, using their wine mark couple of cafes in my area who give us things like the offcuts of bread from Manu Bakery. So chefs are loving the fact that when they get delivered their half kilo of crickets, I can say to them, the final three days, these guys ate windfall apples from an orchard that couldn't sell them because they'd dropped to the ground. They were eating a lot of green brassica leaves and that when they do a trial, like, oh, OK, yeah, it's super moist compared to ones I've tried when I was working at Insert Restaurant and we got them imported from New South Wales or whatever. So that's really the point of interest for me is the food systems. And there's a lot of hype about insects being the new uber sustainable food. And so the way we're doing it is really about flipping that story on its head of you can't just say a product is sustainable because... They fart less than cows. It really is about the whole food system. Yeah. If Actually, you're... sorry, can we just stop saying do cockroaches fart? They're okay, not really. Emit... They no, it's well, they're tiny finger. methane emitters. So any <laughs> gas they do pass is like it's not a belching cow because they don't have two stomachs. Yeah, it's a different species, completely and utterly. It's like comparing apples and oranges. It's really about doing a food systems approach to this highly nutritious food source because people get stuck on protein mm. value. The really interesting part of these is the values proposition of food is incredibly good amino acid profile. So they've got all the essential nine amino acids. Their vitamin B12 is exceptional. Because you're eating the whole insect, including their outer shell, you'll get huge calcium advantage. So that's called chitin. So where you know, we're always obsessed about calcium from cows, milk, or whatever it is. Insects are very bioavailable. Also more research being done into vitamin K2, which people are very deficient in, and insects are a great carrier of that. So it's lots of learning still to be done, working with the University of Melbourne and some dietitians about actually getting some proper lab results back of what is the real world value for nutrition on this and just moving away from protein because we're actually not in trouble to get protein in the Western world. We're fine. It's about the more nourishing forms of food, which is where insects are interesting as a conversion of veg waste into a very nourishing food source that you don't need a lot of.
2: How do you have to look after their mating? Like, so there's three species.
1: Cinder or... um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's cinder. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and you crawl
1: right. <laughs> crawl left, crawl right. Yeah. So no, there's different species which all have very different needs. So crickets is the example of the most energy intensive little guys. Sixish weeks they reach sexual maturity. And they need a laying substrate to lay their eggs into. So um, do you remember when we went into the grow tent, I showed you the ones with the ovipositor? Those are the girls, and they need to deposit that ovipositor once they've done cricket sexy time into the, <laughs> into the substrate. And they lay eggs, which are these little pearlescent tiny oval shapes and those eggs need to stay moist and covered and crickets will actually eat their own eggs as well so you can't just leave them in there for them all to kind of go around because the boys will go in with like shit, yeah protein sauce and eat it so you need to be constantly turning them over so when the girls lay you're bringing out the box as they are full and putting in another one keeping it moist keeping it the right temperature because these eggs need the right temperature and the right humidity level to hatch forth and then also that first week or two, these things are so freaking tiny. They're called pinheads for a reason. There's only certain stuff they can eat. So they've got tiny mandibles. They need a certain type of food. Different life stages need different levels of care. And obviously when they're that tiny, temperature fluctuations can knock them out as well. You're listening to WTF
2: 2050. What's the future? Future.
0: WTF Twenty Fifty is proudly sponsored by UniLux Triple Glaze Windows. I get what like double glaze is. I don't think I've ever seen triple glaze. It's just better. Oh, right? I
2: have. It's all over Europe. It's oh. just an extra pane of glass, and it's a
0: lot warmer, and it's a lot better. 40% of a home's heating can be lost in winter and 87% of its heat gained in summer through windows. Double glazing is important for energy efficiency and triple glazing is the dark nuts. And you can get German-made, unilux, triple-glazed windows right here in Hobart. Stuart McKenzie Hall specialises in sustainable design, energy efficiency and healthy building considerations for the commercial, multi-residential and resident sector.
2: You find can out find more. out more. <laughs> unilux.net.au it's like we're just grabbing for that last line
0: so in shipping containers mm-hmm.
1: so this one I've got second hand and refurbished it so pulled it all back, put in insulation all the things battled long and hard for months to actually get it delivered here by people who weren't just going to accidentally crush it and leave it in a different street because they just got confused how many containers do you have? One at the moment. That's the test container one, which is, so we've done three versions. So we've done sheds, did a small straw bale run, and then that one is actually working remarkably well. So painting it black was all about sucking in as much heat during the day. So it's not using electricity to keep hot during the day because you've got to keep it between 27 and 30 degrees. That's for it's the bugs.
2: Really yep,
1: Yeah, No, I've got it.
2: <laughs> and how many different types of bugs are you got in there at the moment? Three. Now, do you have a favourite?
1: Um, whichever one does what it's told, which is none of them. Tell me what the three are. Uh, it's crickets, so Acata domesticus, which is the domestic cricket. Basically, I chose species that live within a similar humidity requirement. This place is beautiful. It's just yeah. gorgeous. You know one of those towns where people have seen beauty for so long they kind of forget how gorgeous it is and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's kind yep. of it's a little bit whatever it's like. It's gorgeous. Sunrise, sunset, even on the coldest days when it just crisps up. Yeah. And we've still got wedgies around here and we've still wow. got, you know, yellowtails.
0: Okay, so we're walking towards what most people recognise as an enormous shipping container
1: and
2: I'm a little bit freaked out to be honest. (laughs) Hang on.
1: So who amongst us really likes David Lynch? I took some inspiration from David
2: Lynch. Okay.
0: Oh my God.
2: (laughs) Wow. It's got uh, black and white lino on the floor. It looks like black and white tiles. And then three big black canvas cupboards with lime green piping. Oh, it smells. Smells like bugs.
1: I also just did a massive harvest of kilos, so there's a smell that lingers for two days, which is okay. the smell of crickets kind of going, oh, you're disturbing us.
2: Okay.
1: All that was full and that's all been emptied out to harvest, so I tend to kind of rotate to make sure no place is constantly in bug production.
2: Okay. So it, Oh, criss- Louise. It's warm and it's really quite overwhelmingly smelly. <laughs> uh, listen to that.
1: and this is just pure ambient heat from the sun on the sea wow. container and that smell is they're just being fed pear and chard, so that's that sort of sweet I love it. they need a lot of greens for all the calcium and various other where do keywords. you get your greens from um total mix it depends on season got a lot of bulk commodity farmers around here yeah so i've got three people i get farm greens off we've got the cafes who give me their veggie off cuts um, Little Rivers Brewery I get grain waste from one or every two weeks Yeah. so that's mostly barley and wheat. A lot of coffee grounds because mealworms do quite well on coffee rounds from the cafe.
2: So what are these? These That's ones crickets, that crickets that you can hear chirping What are they in there?
1: Those flat trays are mealworms so they're just right. the breed trays which you've got them separated. The eggs fall through The eggs fall through where? Uh,
2: I'll just turn the light
1: on for you okay. So this is mealworms so they're actually not worms
2: they're a beetle. This is the adult yeah. form
1: Oh, look, perfect, doing one grab. So that's
2: their juvenile the for form. they little slate bug that you'd find under a yeah. rocket in Sydney.
1: They're a darkling beetle.
2: Yeah. Super, super common.
1: Yeah. So they lay eggs in this adult form. Yep. Yeah. The eggs stick to the substrate, fall through the gaps, and
2: okay. then
1: fall into there, and then they grow into mealworms, which you harvest, but I've just done a massive harvest, so pretty much everything's in um, make-babies phase. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Do they need, like, a male and a female to reproduce? Yep. Can you
1: tell the difference between the male and female? Crickets is the easiest one. Those guys, bloody hard, we'd be sitting there with, can you pass me the magnifying glass? Okay. But I'll show you the cricket version. Super easy. Uh... So see that girl with the long back end tail?
2: I did see the back end tail before yep, it disappeared. that's the girl.
1: So she's got the oviposter. Mm-hmm. And then the boy has these two spikes coming out the back, and he's the one that sings, and that's the Circe. She sinks her oviposter in and lays the eggs after he's fertilised her. Then I take them out every day or two, separate them. Eggs pop out in two weeks. So in here, Lou, is crickets and mealworms and woodies. These are Queensland wood roaches. So all these species basically um, DPI wood. I should say wrong state we're totally happy with because they don't survive in Tasmanian night temperatures okay. so if there was a mass escape pretty much the chickens are happy and they don't go anyway okay so their temperature range is safe for Tasmania that's one of the reasons we chose these three if we're not uh-huh. suddenly going to introduce the cane toad to Tasmania
2: yeah sure
1: That's yep. great they're the most frequently eaten in terms of Asian cuisine Mexican cuisine relatively easy to grow Feed does need to be really clean and really good. You need to clean often. And so they eat fast, which is great, but you need to be onto it in terms of humidity, heat, clean feed, okay. and then harvesting. Yeah. So you can see the pear there, which
2: is giving that sweet smell. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, there. Yep. 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 That's yep. thin. Right. <laughs> that's thin. That's, that's great.
1: Describe to me where we are. Uh, Derby, one of the back streets um, on the edge of... I don't know if this hill actually has a name, to be honest. Um, it's sort of the edge of town as such, and directly behind us is the hill that has the return to sender, bike trail, and a couple of houses in the bush, and is one of the areas that was proposed for logging. Is still on... I think technically it's still available to be logged. Blue Derby is the brand of the whole trails around Derby and the mountain bike trails. So this sign here at the trailhead is basically the one-stop assessment of grades, how hard they are. So green trails are the easiest. Blue, a little more difficult. And then you get down to black, diamond and double black, which frankly are hard enough to walk, let alone ride a bicycle down. Um, yeah,
2: 23 stitches. Mhm. A Whoa. fast descending jump trail littered with dirt jumps, rollers, and tabletops. Mm.
0: Mm. The sheer pin sounds kind of scary too. It is. Yeah. So, are you a mountain biker? I'm crap at
1: it. Okay. I'm sort of synonymous as being the girl who runs the trails and also is stubbornly sticking to my beautiful commuter I've had in Melbourne, Sydney, Canberra. <laughs> no, I have my commuter. Watch me ride the roads. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I can't afford a mountain bike. But is this like packed in the summer, Lou? I mean, the trailhead's packed, so this is packed with people coming and going. And there's people on the street, but it's sort of, you know, nighttime people go back to wherever they're camping. It's just the last space for a lot of native forest and rainforest. It's some of the best rainforest in Tassie, which was taken out and converted into farmland and a lot of plantations.
2: Are all these forests around here regrowth or are they rainforest? Absolute
1: mix. So, rainforest on dark sides. Yeah. And it's more about high conservation value rather than that old growth. So, there's a really big mix through you get some massive old trees, and then up through blue tier, obviously, you've got the big tree stuff yeah. that Leslie Nicholson and that lot worked on. And so is that protected now? mixed it depends what area you go in some of it's right. future potential production some of it is in long term it's really it's
2: but if you looked at it through the lens of these trails hmm. as what provides the economic stimulus for the town That's what managed saved- then all of this forest is actually infrastructure exactly. isn't it yeah it's infrastructure which allows this to go ahead the same as a road to you know
1: Part of the big three cells of these trails, it's the natural assets, it's the beauty, yeah. the flow and the quality of them. So by logging even around it, because people are now discovering the walking and yeah. you know, other things, and that's part of getting extra eggs in the basket, do walk tours through here and,
2: yeah. you know, other adventures just beyond well, bikes. Well, you can't take off bits of infrastructure anyway and just no. leave a bit around the side. It'd mm. be like building a highway and saying, look you know, we're going to take two lines off or a pylon off. Like, it's actually a part of the whole. Yeah. It's really clear when you see it like this, isn't it? It's great, isn't it? It's beautiful. It's yeah. gorgeous. And you've got all
1: this kind of, you know, big dams and swimming holes. As the crow flies, Welber is there. Blue tea is here to drive. Yeah. It's a total hidden gem type story. It's not like the Taichung where everyone knows that big epic wilderness this is lots of disparate small beautiful areas but also gorgeous coast and that's that agritourism thing we keep banging on about if this is the place you send people to have their good wine experience good cheese experience now we Mm. need to bring in the actual people who create the food the restaurants to benefit off the fact that this is primary production country so at the moment
2: is it producing really good produce that's just being shipped somewhere else
1: it's historically been producing a lot of bulk commodity like um, spuds, so Simplot and Maccas were big here, and when that all fell over, people had to rethink their economic model. We've got things like Pine Garner Dairy over the Blue Tier, which do really good dairy, and more and more people are moving down and buying smaller farms and doing more niche, you know, free-range chickens, yeah. pork that's grown yeah. in whatever way. So it's changing, and change takes a while, but... It's also the fact that, you know, forestry is dying in the arse. Mm. It's economically a failed experiment. Mm. So people are now starting to think about what else can you do. We've got a microbrewery starting in Scottsdale. Ten years ago, really? people would have laughed. Yeah, Little Rivers Brewery, they're who right. I get my grain for. The potential's there. Mm. Now it's really about doing it. And that's mm. what I mean by not just one egg in the basket. This can be yeah. a bigger picture yeah. of a great North tour experience.
2: And those small lots of prosperous agriculture... Gets spread through the families who own it and the communities who live around it. And they have spin-off industries that come off the back of them. So when you're running for mayor of this Northeast,
1: <laughs> <laughs> people That's least likely to ever get is. elected.
0: Yeah, it's crazy beautiful. Yeah. Leanne, I gotta say I'm so impressed with Louise Morris. She has done so much work in investigating insect production.
2: Yeah, sure, but the proof is in the pudding. I haven't tasted a produce yet. Where can you get, like, I'm gonna go out and get some. What do I do?
0: I have, well, she's produced a nut butter. Mm -hmm. And I have tasted her Bugs. Mm -hmm. They're pretty good and they are now on the menu of major restaurants all around Australia. They're at Mona's Faros and they will, of course, again be starring
2: at the uh, Mofo Dark Winter Feast. That'll be season two for the Bugs. They were there last year as well. Exactly. Great. All right, I'm off to eat some.
0: And you've been listening to the second series of WTF 2050. Proudly supported by the Australia Institute, where ideas matter. Thanks very much to our studio engineer, Michael Shelley, at The Green Room. Big shout out to our producer and music man, Fletcher Babb. Please check out our other episodes and join the conversation on our Facebook page. And you can track everything on the website, wtf2050.net.au. And you can, of course, listen to everything on iTunes and Spotify.